Welcome to the Cops and Writers Podcast. On this show, you will learn how to write the best crime-related novel or screenplay possible. Your host, Sergeant Patrick O'Donnell, worked the streets in one of the nation's largest police departments for over 25 years. Ride along with O'Donnell and his expert guests as they help you navigate the oftentimes confusing and misunderstood world of law enforcement. O'Donnell and his guests on this show do not represent any law enforcement agency. The content of this show is not meant to be legal advice. If you think you need a lawyer, you probably do. Hey, Cops and Riders, thanks for being here with us today for another episode of the Cops and Riders podcast. I'm Patrick O'Donnell, and I will be your host for today's show. My first order of business is to thank those of you who are patrons of the show, most notably Francis Sheldrick, Kathleen Donnelly, Fran Cross, Gary Edgington, J.K. Doan, and Kathleen Kovacic. Your generosity helps pay for the software, equipment, and my time producing this show. Yes, you too can become a patron for less than a cup of coffee or a pint of Guinness. Just go over to patreon.com forward slash cops and writers, all one word. I would also like to thank all of you who have purchased my books in the Cops and Writers series available on Amazon. Today's show is Going to the Dogs. My guests on the show today are award-winning, best-selling authors who weave canines into their stories, Jody Burnett and Kathleen Donnelly. Award-winning author Kathleen Donnelly has been a handler for Sherlock Hounds Detection Canines, a Colorado-based narcotics canine company since 2005. She loves crafting realism into her fictional stories from her dog-handling experience. She has a B.A. in journalism from Colorado State University and formerly wrote for the Birthhound Weekly Surveyor, where she won a Colorado Press Award. Jody Burnett is a best-selling indie superstar author with over 12 books published in a little over two years, earning her over six figures a year. Jody treats her author career as a business, and that is paying dividends for her. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of professional, eye-appealing author websites and book covers, why Jody is a self-published author, and the advantages and disadvantages of being an indie. Why Kathleen is a traditionally published author and the advantages and disadvantages to this author path. Why people are drawn to stories with dogs in them. How they researched the utilization of canines in law enforcement. Best advice for authors who are writing stories about dogs or have them as characters in their books. Kathleen's Sherlock Hounds Canine Detection Service. The pros of attending author conventions. Their writing tips, tools, and routines. All this and more on today's episode of the Cops and Writers Podcast. Jody Burnett and Kathleen Donnelly, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. This is so much fun. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Now, Jody, I know Jody because we met at the 20 Books Vegas conference back in November of last year. And she's a very successful author, and she was talking about her goals for the next year. And she said, I want to be start getting a presence on podcasts. And I'm like, well, funny you mentioned that. I have one of those. So <laughs> you were on podcast number 45 back in December, December 12th. You were on, Jody. That's right. My very first podcast. I and was I- scared to to death, but you held my <laughs> hand, and it was fun. We had you a great did, time. You did great. And actually, I... That's consistently in my top 10 out of 85 podcasts. You're like in the top 10 of the most downloaded. 
You're kidding. That's fantastic. Nope. Yeah. I didn't know. Wow. You betcha. And Kathleen, I know you because you are one of my patrons, which yes. I which I really appreciate. And one of uh, the benefits of that is we chat um, once a month for about half an hour, but sometimes we run over and you can pick my brain about policey stuff. Yes, it's been fantastic. You've helped me so much with making my books accurate and getting the, the police work correct. So well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate anybody supporting that. That's awesome. So I was doing my due diligence for the episode and I always like to check the author's websites and I got to tell you, you guys rock it. You know, I looked at both of your websites. They have so much eye appeal and, you know, you just, you want to keep looking at it. Yeah. I think I talked about this with you, uh, Jody, last time you did a lot of the designing on your own. Right. If, if I remember incorrectly. No, on my new website that I have now, I actually hired someone to help me out with that oh, okay. uh, in January. So it might be a little newer from what you're used to mm. saw before. Okay. But yeah. Thank you. I, she did a great job. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> How about you, Kathleen? I actually, I met an awesome web designer named Maddie James and she lives here in Colorado, but she designs, I, I don't even know how many authors she's, that's her main job is mm. author websites and she's wonderful to work with. And I feel really lucky to have found her because she just, she put it together beautifully. Yeah. You know what? Both of you guys. Yeah. There's some similarities to both of yours and it's just, they're extremely professional. They're just, like I said before, they're super eye appealing and they want as somebody just like browsing around or whatever, you stop and you want to keep looking, which is what you want, you know, if you're, uh, when you set one of those up. So good job for both of you guys. It's awesome. And one more thing too, doing my due diligence book covers both of you guys rock the book covers you know you're you know kathleen you have one book out and you have a second book that's on its way correct that's correct so the second book will be out next summer and the first book chasing justice came out in may okay Yay. and did your um publisher do the uh, cover or did you have much input on that they did they actually what i love about my publisher it's karina press who's with harlequin and they do a whole, they call it an art fact sheet, and you can fill out all this information. So I felt like I had a lot of input in the cover mm. and that I could give them the information on uh, my dog is a Melanois, so don't put like a different breed on there. And so no chihuahuas. <laughs> no chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah, no, no little, yeah. So, and what my characters look like and the settings in Colorado. And I actually sent them pictures of the Colorado forest mm. that I envisioned it and they did a beautiful job putting it together. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah, they rock that. And Jody, I got to tell you, I absolutely love your covers too. Who, do, who does your covers? Thank you. A guy named Steven Novak does my covers and he's outstanding and he's just super responsive to anything that I have, any ideas I have, but he, I sort of give him this outline of what I'm thinking. And then he comes up almost every time on the first go, it's a yes. Like it's just, oh, it's wow. just, just fantastic. Yeah. Wow. And he does, he makes sure it's in brand and everything, which is, you know, how they're so similar. Yeah. You know, and they should be, you know, you know, it's amazing to me, you know, people will ask, you know, it's like, why am I not selling books? And some of the basic stuff, they don't really hit really well. You know, it's like, okay, when I look at both of your covers for your books, I know what I'm getting. 
you know, there's no big mystery here. You know what? Well, there is a, probably a mystery going on, but <laughs> <laughs> there might be a mystery, but there's not a mystery to me as a reader taking a peek at that. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, and they're very eye appealing. They, you know, and they're very like modern looking. They match, you know, what's going, what's popular right now. And yeah, it just, again, both of you guys knock it out of the park. I tell you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Jody, how many books do you have published now? What are you up to? As of September 1st, I have 12 out. Wow. So, yeah, Bloodline just came out, book five. And And that is, uh, what, two and a half years of publishing? 22. Yes. (laughs) I had to do the math. Yes. Yes. Wow. Two and a half years. You are a machine. I do about three books a year. Okay. Wow. You're my hero, Jody. (laughs) She she is a machine, I tell you. Just have a, an overactive imagination that won't be. Still. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jody, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself if people don't know who you are and why you started writing? Okay, sure. Well, I know on the podcast earlier, I mentioned this uh, that we did last December about how uh, I started writing because my kids who I have four kids and they were growing up and leaving home and I didn't really know who I was if I wasn't mom. And so I started, you know, whining about that to my husband who, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't take whining very well. So he uh, suggested nope. that maybe I write a book about all this nonsense I'm telling him about. And, and I joke that he, he probably meant, you know, seven easy steps to stop bothering your husband with your yeah. emptiness syndrome. <laughs> But actually, I tease about him, but he has been my greatest support and my greatest encourager. And so I wrote a book. It was uh, actually fiction. And in the process of writing it, I I fell in love with writing. I love to be able to put my imagination and my stories that run around in my head on paper. And it's so exciting to share them with people who enjoy them and talk about the characters like they're real people. And it's like grown up make believe. So, but a little bit more about me is I I am a military wife. My husband was in the Marine Corps and uh, retired from the Marines just recently. Um, he's a pilot and we had a great life in the Marines. I wish we could kind of live that over again. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Now, Kathleen. Sure. I grew up in Colorado and I was really lucky in that my parents had a small piece of property where we had chickens and horses and dogs and turkeys. And I did 4-H oh. and all that. And I love the animals. So I I think I was always destined to do something with animals. And then my parents were also really good about reading to us and encouraging uh, just stories. And I used to bug my mom when I couldn't fall asleep at night. She started, she finally said, why don't you just make up some stories in your head while you try to fall asleep? (laughs) So from a little kid on, I started doing that. And I, I did go to school and I got a journalism degree, but I found journalism wasn't really my passion. There's a lot to it. I I didn't like about it, especially the getting in people's face part to get a good story. Mm. So when I got out of college, I didn't get a job in journalism. I went into horse training because, you know, that's probably a natural segue there. Oh yeah. (laughs) yeah, I can see it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's some courses I'm sure in college, you know, horse 101 (laughs) or whatever you had to take. (laughs) Exactly. So I started training horses and then a friend of mine had a drug dog business and she said, we need another handler. And I need someone who can read an animal's body language. Would you be interested? So I said, sure. And I went through certification with that. And I've been working with Sherlock Hounds since 2005. And I think around 2008, I thought, I really want to write again. 
but I don't know what. So I started mm. dabbling in fiction and all of a sudden I found myself, I love the mystery, suspense, thriller, all those. So I, I kind of wrote each one of those and and now I have Chasing Justice out. So that's wow. how that all came about. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, Jody has a horse background too. Why don't you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that, Jody? We'll be right back. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, a motley collection of strangers come together to sit in judgment for what becomes the longest trial in state history. A man stands accused of murdering his wife by antifreeze poisoning. Along the way, these strangers find more in common than anyone expected, evolving into something beyond a simple jury of peers. One year later, they reunite, only to find that they've been poisoned by what suspiciously looks like antifreeze. Is this revenge for their verdict, or forewarning of something more sinister to come? The clock is ticking, and as time winds down, vengeance turns wickedly ironic. Inspired by the real-life jury experience of author Ken Humphrey, The Breakfast Jury is a fast-paced summer novel guaranteed to leave readers guessing until the last page. Pick up this murder mystery now at KenHumphrey.com. Peek behind the curtain of a sordid murder that will make you wonder, did that really happen? Again, that's KenHumphrey.com. Yeah, I, I had a business for a while working with at-risk teens in a business called Horses Healing Hearts. And uh, I have horses. Uh, Kathleen and I have talked about that. We have that in common. Um, and just working with kids, taking them out of traditional office therapy, out into mm-hmm. the arena, and with their therapist kind of organizing uh, situations that help them learn how they deal with their their life and then maybe practicing other skills, you know, mm. that they, that maybe they can improve communication or dealing with frustration, um, things like that. And you can do it with, with the horses. And you, just like Kathleen's saying, it's all about reading the the body language of the animal. They can really help you see what's going on with the kids, primarily horses because they're prey animals. And so their whole purpose is to survive and, and they, they survive by reading your body language. They can tell you what's going on with a kid, even though a kid might be presenting this tough guy attitude and might be intimidating to me. It's not, that isn't intimidating to the horse, but maybe what's going on, they can really key in on what's really going on. And it's so helpful in a therapy situation. Wow. I never knew that. That's awesome. So this is a question I usually ask towards the end of an interview, but I'm going to do it towards the beginning. Now you kind of have my curiosity <laughs> peak. You know, both of you guys are readers. What do you guys read? Oh gosh. I, I read a lot of different, I just finished a Lisa Jackson book. I'm reading uh, Patricia Stolte's latest book. And she's also a local Colorado author. Mm. Uh, I love everything from David Baldacci to I mean it's I just read it Lisa Gardner I read a wide variety of, of now books. do you read paperbacks ebooks audiobooks how do you consume yours usually it's either ebook or or uh, paperback sorry okay how about you Jody well I love spy novels they're my favorite and which is you know like I love the Cold War spy stuff which is you know ancient nowadays but mm-hmm. but I I love to read Brad Thor um, oh okay Mark Cameron. Vince Flynn, love Vince Flynn. He's passed away, but now has a someone writing under his name. Cut my teeth on Robert Ludlum, the vintage Robert Ludlum stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I love all of that kind of stuff, but I also read all over the map. Um, just got done reading a Dugoni book, which was really fantastic, called yeah. My Sister's Grave. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. If you like the Cold War stuff, you might like some old Ian Fleming. I love oh, yeah. Ian Fleming. That's... I love Ian Fleming too. Yeah. yeah. 
That, so how do you consume your uh, books? Paperback? All of the uh, above. So I love, oh. I love a real book, but I read a lot on my Kindle, of course, because it's just so convenient. I travel a lot, so it's right. nice to carry. But I also love audio. I like to listen to audio, both books and podcasts. I'm a total podcast junkie. When I'm out walking or just doing household chores, mm-hmm. anything, I love to listen. So I can't get enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Jody, you're a successful indie author. Now, did you start out at self-publishing or how did that happen? I did query my first book, which is Run for the Hills. Um, and I queried that for, I don't know, a little over half a year. I had some interest, some you know, asks for, for full reads and so forth, but I just, I couldn't, I don't have, I'm not very patient. <laughs> and I also <laughs> like to be in control of my own world. And so sure. I, I heard about indie publishing and I started dabbling in that and I just, it just went really well for me. So I like the idea of, of being able to control every aspect of it or, and that's win or lose. So if I fail, the only person I can blame is me as well. So mm-hmm. Um, but I like being able to have full, you know, decision-making capability for cover and everything I do, everything I have in there is, is something that I, I want. And so I really yeah. like that. Yeah. I was going to ask you advantages and disadvantages, but you, you just kind of touted the advantages. What do you think some <laughs> of the disadvantages are, if there are any? Well, I think the disadvantages are easy enough to overcome but i think it's just the educational piece not yeah. knowing what you're doing how to do it you know but there's the industry the indie industry is so helpful the people in the in, in that industry are so willing to help you there's so many courses and people who will just answer your questions if you just you know shout out at them at sure. you know, in social media or whatever everybody's so willing to help each other along and i think that's another part that is so wonderful about it is the indie community for sure yeah, you know, I think it depends on the person and their situation and the hybrid model. I think we're going to see a lot more of where you have people who are, mm-hmm. quote, traditionally published, but they're also doing indie stuff and traditional publishers kind of acting like indie publishers. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's changing. You know, now, Kathleen. You are traditionally published. Why? And how about some advantages, disadvantages, that kind of thing? Sure. I I don't have a very good answer to that other than it was just my gut feeling that I wanted to try traditional first. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, when I was not working because of COVID, I really sat down, finished up this manuscript, queried it out. I queried it in May. And by July, my agent wanted to rep the book and oh, it all okay. just kept going. And then by I think April of the next year of 21, uh, we had an offer for it. So it just went going. And I love the team. I I love having an agent I can turn to and say, yeah. I don't know what to do with this. Or and Karina as a publisher has been fantastic. They've they're really easy to communicate with. They they don't mind a lot of questions. Um, so I I feel like I've had a really positive experience. That being said, I've also heard of traditionally published authors who haven't had as positive an experience. So I continue to learn as much as I can about both sides, just because I think you need to be flexible or the hybrid model or right. whatever. But Karina has been fantastic and I love working with them. And my agent, Ella Marie, has been fantastic and I love working with her. So as long as it it's been a great experience. Yeah, you're with a legit publishing house 
know, you're that's a part of the what top five or yeah, they're under Harlequin and who's under Harper Collins. So I guess that's okay. part of the the big the, the, the big houses. Yeah, yeah, the biggies. But yeah. what I what I hate to see is you have authors that are struggling and they really want, you know, to make it and be mm-hmm. successful. And there's a lot of predatory, yes. you know, quote unquote publishers out there. It's like, yeah, give me five thousand dollars and I'll make you a star, you know. And it's like, no, yeah, it's yeah, I just hate hearing those stories. But, you know, not everybody is as lucky to, you know, things happen quickly for you, Kathleen, which is great. You know, they did. They did. I feel very lucky. It just seemed like everything just fell into place. So that was, yeah, I feel very lucky. Okay. Let's talk about dogs. (laughs) More specifically, (laughs) why authors put them into their stories. It just seems like, you know, it's, it's an instant attraction. You know, Kathleen. What do you think? Why do you think they they're so it's like a magnet sometimes, you know, for readers, you know, you, boom, there's a dog in a story. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, OK, you know, my ears perk up. You know, why do you think that is? Well, for one, they're just amazing creatures. I mean, they I I'm so lucky the three I work, they go out every day and they work so hard and they want to do their job well. And I think it's fascinating how these dogs can help us just solve everyday mysteries. You know, I go into schools. That's my main job. And if they say, well, we think we have something in a locker in this school, but we have 500 lockers, the dogs can go through and see if there's something there in a lot less time than if we, as humans went through and opened up every single locker. Right. So I think there's sort of a fascination with how they can help us and how they enjoy helping us. I, I mean, there's other creatures with great noses that we're not going to take them into schools <laughs> or I'm police it. They don't, you know, like cats, <laughs> they're not going to want to help us out. <laughs> so sorry to all the cat lovers out there, but I don't see a future for uh, drug sniffing cats. So, no. <laughs> so I think that's the fascination with dogs. They, they're just, they enjoy helping their human counterparts. And then when you put them in a story, it's fun to see how we can use them to help solve a mystery. Now, when your book and the one that you're right, you know, your first book obviously is canine centric. There, a canine is a big part of the story. And is your second book, is it also going to have a canine? It is. So actually, um, I'm under contract for book two and three, and it's mm-hmm. all part of the National Forest Canine series. Okay. And same characters, same canine. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. Now, Obviously, you know a lot about canines because you work with them every day. What kind of extra research did you have to do for this or did you? No, I did a lot of research because I work single purpose dogs. So meaning Mm -hmm. that they do one job, which is find drugs. And you know that the dual purpose dogs used with law enforcement do multiple jobs, you know, tracking, apprehension, all that stuff. I hadn't worked a dual purpose dog. I'm not a police officer, as you know, from all the questions I've asked. (laughs) (laughs) So I did, I tried to do a lot of research on the, the law enforcement side of it and how a dual purpose dog works. And it's been a ton of fun to learn about it. It's I've really enjoyed learning more about it. Now, how are you learning about them? Like, are you reaching out to police officers or what are you Google or how are you doing it? I'm lucky in that our trainers, uh, we have two trainers with our company that we work with, and they are both, they have a law enforcement background. They've worked a lot of different dogs, actually beyond the uh, police dogs, they've worked search and rescue and Mm. HRD, the human remains detection dogs and 
um, just a lot of background. So I've been able to reach out to them for most of my questions, oh, okay. which is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I did a citizens Academy and there was a handler mm. there who came and did a demo and nice. asked him a lot of questions sure. and yeah. So awesome. It's, it's been great. How about you, Jody? Why do you think people are so fascinated with dogs and their stories? Why do you have them in your stories? I think animals in general, but dogs specifically, because people really connect, they, they resonate with the connection, the human animal connection. So whether or not it's mystery or just a fun story, animals and stories are, are great. Um, as far as I go with the, the crime, I just love mystery thriller kinds of reads. And so I like to write it. Um, I'm fascinated by police dogs. And the research I've done is a lot. I just interview any canine police officer I can get my greedy little hands on. So I thought you were going to say pause on, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just should have. (laughs) I just uh, recently had the opportunity to talk to our local sheriff here in Albert County in Colorado, and he has 20 years canine experience down in Phoenix. Oh. And then he retired and came up and ran for sheriff here. And so he's Mm. developing a canine program here in our little county. It's a big county, but it's rural. So yeah, um, a lot of people, but um, they have only one dog right now, but it's pretty exciting. And he had so much information and so many things to talk about. It was really, really, really great. Informed a lot of my most recent book. So as far as your research, you know, trying to get things right about the canines, you just reached out to different canine handlers or how did that work? Yes. I, uh, a nearby city, Castle Rock has a fantastic canine unit. And I, those guys over there, um, it was during the COVID year. So it was really nice. They let us come in, Chris and I, my husband, Chris, and I went over there and interviewed them. They sat with us for two hours, just answering any kind of question Mm -hmm. we could come up with. And they were fantastic. Um, also a guy who works over in Greenwood village, which is nearby, uh, sort of nearby to me. And like I said, um, our local sheriff, I've done two citizens academies, um, mm. both with canine aspects that have been yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people that do this work are excited to talk about it. Oh yeah. And, yep. and, you know, want 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 us as writers to get it right because, sure. you know, when it's not right, it's, you know, it's not fun for them. And, and they do, they do an incredible work. These dogs are amazing. They're so smart. There and I also have a Malinois in my current current series, and in most of the dogs in my last series were Malinois also, because they're just the most incredible dog I've ever seen. They're they're fantastic. Whether or not they'd make a good household pet is debatable. I know that a lot of people have them and they they love them, but they are high high energy dogs yes. and they need to work. Right. So if you have, if you're capable of doing that with your dog, great. My dog's lazy and <laughs> loves just being petted and loved on and spoiled. So I couldn't have one, but, but they're amazing. I was thinking about this question when, when I was like getting ready for the show and I want to see what your guys's uh, opinion is. I think people want dogs and stories because a lot of books or movies or whatever, or even a podcast, you know, you don't always remember all the content, but you remember how it made you feel true. And for true. me, any kind of story with a dog in it, you know, it, it just touches a part of me that, you know, nothing else can, you know, and I guess it's because I've been raised with dogs for as, since I was a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, and they've always been a part of my life. So what do you guys think about that? 
I agree. I totally agree. I me too. Yeah. You know, and, and as a writer, I think you could really use that, you know, like if you want to build some tension and suspense, you know, it's like put the dog in danger, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. in your story. Oh, you, yeah. know, be- <laughs> you do have to be careful there, though. You you have to be careful. Readers do not appreciate you hurting the dog at all. And sometimes the dog has to get hurt, but he must be able to get better. You can't. Yeah. There's no killing dogs. You can't do that. Yeah. And and <laughs> don't want to, honestly. But no. Um, you know, I have had in my FBI series, one of my handlers had a dog in the army. So he had his military dog was Mm. killed. And then the story starts after that, but it starts with him. He's still grappling with the loss of his dog and trying to learn to work with a new dog. And that's difficult for him. And that's part of the challenge, but, and there's a lot of emotion wrapped around that, that dog in the book, but that's interesting, Jody, because my my character is the same way. She lost her dog uh, in Afghanistan, which I yeah. didn't realize that because uh, I haven't read the series you were talking about there. Yeah. I read your other series, but oh, thanks. Um, yeah. And I I got really nervous. I thought, are people going to be upset? Because even though it's not the main story, she lost her dog. She thinks it's due to handler error and she's dealing with wow. that guilt and has sworn yeah. off ever working dogs again. Mm-hmm. And I thought, boy, I wonder if I'm going to get hate mail just from having that little story piece, but I'm with you. You would never kill a dog in a book. Yeah. That would, that would not go over well. No. (laughs) With me either. I don't want to do it. Right. I wouldn't want to anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I know a lot of my readers will comment. So my dogs, you know, it's not, it's not like we're writing dogs that have a, a point of view or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Some people do, but I, I right. know Kathleen and my books are not like that, but, but still the dog's personality comes through. And I think a lot of people really enjoy getting to know the dog just as much as they do your human characters. Right now for both of you, what would, and this is a great segue. What if I want to write a story and it's got a dog as like either a main character or like a side character or whatever, what are some best practices or tropes that you think that really react well with the reader? That's a good question. I I think one, you have to think about what job the dog is doing and then make sure you pick a breed that matches mm. that job. Like you said, okay. there's not a chihuahua. On the <laughs> <laughs> but if I was writing a cozy mystery oh. and you know it was a gal who knits and then she and her dog are solving a case, it could be a chihuahua. On the cover. Could even be a cat in that case. It could be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot of different animals. So I think one thing just for the reader to engage is just to make sure that the dog matches the job you have Mm. in the book. What are your thoughts, Jody? It's an interesting question. I, I was thinking about people who do write with animals as the main character. And so Mm. the, you know, the, the dog or cat or whoever may have a point of view and maybe has a voice. And there's, there's certainly that genre too. I think that you just want to make sure that it's very clear up front if that's what you're doing um you know like i think like what you were saying before is you know don't kill the dog yeah yeah yeah, that's probably the biggest one (laughs) okay you know nobody wants to see maybe maybe the dog can get scuffed up a little bit or whatever and recover obviously but you don't want to hurt a dog badly or for sure you'd be better off killing off your main character than you would a dog (laughs) yeah yeah you can kill as many humans as you want oh yeah (laughs) 
not the dog. Absolutely. And I think people enjoy seeing the dog in action. So mm-hmm. whatever job you've chosen for that dog to do, they like to see the dog in action and see yes. how it's worked or even how the training goes. And I even okay. tried to add into my book what it's like to live with a high energy working dog. Yeah. Who's taught to, I mean, we encourage our dogs to jump up on things and mm. get up on, cause you know, they have to go check. So right. they, they have very different house rules from a pet, so to speak. Oh, sure. And so I think it's fun to put some of that in a book. So if someone wanted to write a canine book, just really learning all the ins and outs of even just living with the dog can be interesting oh. for the reader. Yeah, Absolutely. that's good. I like that. Now, Kathleen, you are a co-owner of a dog business, Sherlock Hounds. I love that name, Sherlock Hounds. That's awesome. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So Sherlock Hounds, I, I wish I could take credit for the title as a mystery writer, but <laughs> that goes to my business partner. Uh, it was a company that started in 1999, actually. We've been around for quite a while. Mm. And I became involved in 2005. But the main purpose of the company is we are really lucky to be grant funded. So we go into schools and help deter the presence of drugs, alcohol, and gunpowder. And the gunpowder came about because when it started in 99, that's, it was right after Columbine. Okay. So we felt like we could help schools stay safer. So we work schools in Northern Colorado uh, go in on, I tell the kids, we go in on a regular random basis because imagine they, they want to know when we're coming. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we also work at drug and alcohol rehab center in Colorado, but other than that, it's just schools. And I really enjoy it. I tell the kids that 98% of them every day are making great choices. We're there for a small percentage. And then unlike other working dogs, our dogs are allowed to be petted. So they, oh. You know, the, the kids can pet them during passing period or whatever. It's as long as the dogs aren't working, they can pet them. Okay. So. What kind of dogs do you use? I have labs right now. Okay. But the best drug dog I ever had, you'll love this since we were just talking about chihuahuas, but <laughs> is a Russell Terrier named Sparky. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He was fit or is 15 pounds. He's retired and he was an amazing drug dog. He would walk in that school with the swagger of a melon or a yeah. <laughs> And he would just be like, oh, that person over there, they have something. I'm going to their backpack. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And the kids, after a while, he got a reputation. I would have principals call and say, can you come, you know, check our school today? And can you bring Sparky? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So he... Um, he was a great drug dog. I also worked a Fox Terrier for a while. He mm. was, he was a little, uh, he, he could be difficult to work. He was a little okay. bit more opinionated, a little more typical Terrier. Okay. Yeah. So do these dogs go home with you or? They do. They all live with okay. me. So how many dogs do you have at home? I have four right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I have the three labs who are working and Sparky who's retired. Aw, okay. So. <laughs> now, as far as training goes, could you kind of give us a picture of what that looks like? for these dogs? Sure. So we play train our dogs. So that means that they work for their toy. They have a really high retrieve drive. We've trained with uh, a couple different trainers. Uh, they're both excellent. Mackie Kelly in Oklahoma, who trains uh, law enforcement dogs as well. And Lainey DeLong, who used to be in Colorado, but she moved. We miss her. Yeah. <laughs> but she's the head trainer now at K2 Solutions. And so we play train the dogs. We 
teach them to find basically marijuana, heroin, meth, cocaine, ecstasy, and then the alcohol and gunpowder. And so they just think that I've gone into a school ahead of time and hidden their toy. And uh, it's their job to go in there and find it. So you go into a school and the principal or whoever the administrator is Mm -hmm. says, okay, here's a line of lockers. I want you to, you know, check on that. Mm-hmm. What is the clue? What what happens when the dog hits on so, something suspicious? Sure. So I have two passive alert dogs, and that means that if they smell an odor they're trying to find, they're going to sit and then stare at whatever they're, you know, whether it's a locker or a backpack. Mm. And I have one. My oldest dog is an active alert, which means she uses her paws to scratch. And that's why we got away from it. Yeah, we got away from it because Jody just made a face. And was like, oh yeah, we have left many a scratch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I keep her nails trimmed down and dremeled yeah. as much as I can. But uh, yeah, so we—that's why we went to the passive alerts. But she'll take her front paws and and scratch at whatever. Okay. Ka- She's Kathleen, on. I have a quick question. If you don't sure. mind, Patrick. No, I, go you ahead. Mentioned, you mentioned that you're training your dogs to um, search out marijuana. Is that Mm -hmm. still true in Colorado where it's legal? I know police dogs have to not smell marijuana anymore. Right. So because we're a private company and because we work on school grounds where it's not legal, we, we can go ahead and still teach them to find it. But you're right. right. You're right. Uh, Normal police departments had to get rid of dogs or just not use them in that capacity, unfortunately. So Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how Thank you would you. untrain a dog. You can't. Uh, can. Yeah. That that would be yeah. next to impossible. But I, I don't know what the specific laws are in Colorado as far as marijuana. But I would think if somebody had a couple of bales in the trunk of their car, that would not be legal. Correct. You know, it, it wouldn't. Well. Yes and no. I mean, it's it's interesting, Patrick. There was a case, and now I'm going to forget. I'll have to research it and send you some info where they pulled someone over. The dog was still trying to find marijuana, ran the vehicle. I think it was state patrol. Mm -hmm. And dog alerts, they find methamphetamine, and I think they found marijuana as well. Yeah. And the case actually got thrown out because of the marijuana. Okay. and I can't remember, I don't want to get into all the legal zins and right. I, right. I don't even know, but it yeah. was, it did go to the appeals court and it got thrown out. So, wow. Yeah. Look at that. So, you know, you, you said it's more like play. You're not giving them treats when they no. hit on something. It isn't food, you know, guided. It's, can you give us like an idea? It's like, okay, you know, your dog hits on a locker for something like what's its reward. So it's literally just a ball like a <laughs> tennis a ball on it. Uh, we don't use tennis balls because we're in the schools and tennis balls have their own odors. And oh. so we don't want to have them alerting on the tennis players because of the. Oh, the yeah, balls. so that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think of that. Okay. Yeah. 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 And actually there was a scenario with that once where we, we busted a pretty high ranking tennis player in the state because oh, no she kidding. had marijuana in her bag. And when the dogs first alerted the school resource officer with me said, Oh, there might be tennis balls. And I said, no, let's, let's check. And sure enough, we found some marijuana in there. Oh my but gosh. Yeah. So we don't use the tennis balls. I order, they're like the Kong squeaky balls mm. I, on Amazon. They destroy them really quick. So I just buy again on Amazon. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest one. Um, quick shopping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's their reward. Different agencies do different things. I've heard like ATF, I've heard their dogs are food trained. 
And mm. so it's, but for us, we go with the retrieve drive because that is just a big motivator that they get to play. And that's, that's what motivates them. Yeah. I had a friend that was a canine handler and she would come into the district station a lot with Kenny, her dog. And the reward was, it was a towel that was duct taped and she'd just play tug of war with them and yeah. like throw it and he'd go fetch it and just literally a towel. And yeah. he just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, well, that's pretty simple and you know, inexpensive, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever your dog loves. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll experiment right now. All my labs love the same toy. So that makes it easy, but I've had that some that uh, they liked, uh, was it like a fire hose kind of toy? Like something like, yeah. I mean, they're all a little different on what they like. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Let's sidestep here to cons conventions for uh, writers Jody, what were some of the uh, cons that you've been to lately and what have you gotten out of them that you think was uh, worthwhile? This year in June, I went to MurderCon or sort of the other name for it is the Writers Law Enforcement Academy. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic. That was up in uh, Green Bay and uh, it was just really great. We we spent the time with the, the police academy up there and we learned so many things. Well, I talked to you on the phone a lot while yeah. I was up there because you were neighbors, but um, it was just really tremendous. They were just so professional and taught us so many different things. And of course, they had a canine aspect as well. Um, and, and also they had uh, the keynote speakers were one was a, the the reporter who broke the Jeffrey Dahmer case. So she spoke about that. And any shorts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a friend of hers. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, Annie. She's uh, a great speaker. She's awesome. I love Annie. She was on the podcast. Oh, good. She When they um, found all the remains in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment when they arrested him, one of the arresting officers called her and says, Annie, you got to get down here. Yeah. It was like, you know, midnight or something like that. So she crawled out of bed, went there, and she said, you have all these street-hardened cops just standing there with their mouths open like, uh, Okay. And here she is in her early twenties. I, I mean, I yeah. can't even imagine, know. you know, <laughs> gosh. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. Love Annie. She's awesome. She's got mm-hmm. a real good book out regarding that too. And it's going yeah. to a Netflix series. Oh, very cool. Wow. Yeah, you really bet. Killing. But anyway, so that was really, really great as far as uh, writing and learning law enforcement and some of those, those sort of small pieces that you put in your book. One of my favorite things was learning how to clear a room and why <laughs> cops clear the room the way they do. And you see it, I've seen it on TV and, and, you know, where they line up, maybe it's a SWAT team and they line up, you know, back, you know, just in a line and then it's very choreographed. And I thought, well, that's cool. But then to learn how to do that and why, and it was just Wonderful. Really, really fascinating. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I missed BowkerCon with Kathleen. So I was sad about that. That was just, gosh, that was just last week, wasn't it, Kathleen? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was I was on grand grandbaby duty. So okay, gotcha. It was a good good thing to do instead. But yeah. Still, I was sad not to be there. And then I'm getting ready to go to Nink. Um mm which is next week. And that's so fantastic for it's upper level learning as far as um, the business of writing and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It's really fantastic and also great networking. And then 20 books, which is where I met you, Patrick. And yes, I love that. When I was first starting out, it was learning from a fire hose. There was so much to learn and (laughs) it was incredible. If you want to learn it, it is there, 
However, now that I'm a little further along, the what I love most about that conference is the networking piece oh, and getting yep. to meet people and and just it's it's fantastic. How about so that's you, Kathleen? what I've done in last year. <laughs> cool. How about you, Kathleen? Yeah, I just recently went to two. One was VoucherCon that Jody was talking about, and we missed you on the Woofda panel, Jody. I know. Was... I wish I could. <laughs> I saw the pictures. I was so sad. Yeah. That looked like so much fun. <laughs> it was. It's a more of a fan conference. It's a really interesting conference. Mm. There were 1,300 people there, and most of them are, I mean, there's the authors, but there's fans, there's librarians, book reviewers. Mm. They're all just looking for... You know, I, I pitched, I did a speed dating session with a friend of ours, Margaret Mitsushima, who also writes a wonderful Timber Creek canine series. So she and I did the speed dating together where you go and you go to a table of about eight people. You tell them about your books. You each have two minutes and then you move to the next table. So I think we, and a lot of the, the people we pitched to were librarians just looking for books oh, to put in their library, okay. which was fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And then it's, it's a lot of fun. And then the other conference I went to was Killer Nashville in August, mm. which it doesn't matter if you publish traditionally or self-publish. I highly recommend that conference. It's a great conference. Clay Stafford does a great job of helping to promote authors and there's panels for um, people learning self-publishing. There's panels for traditional, there's panels with, uh, he would love to have you come Patrick because yeah. there's panels with police officers. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just, it's just a wonderful conference and you sort of feel like they're a family. We were talking about that. It's a small mm. enough conference that you go and you feel like you just meet people that you can't wait to see again. So some of yeah. my best friendships have been formed at that conference. So I went in August and mm. really enjoyed it. Awesome. Now, Kathleen, you're a full-time business owner. You know, you have a full-time job. When and how do you find the time to write? <laughs> so I um, I usually get up early. I usually get up about 4 to 4.30 because Oof, I find I have early. to get my writing. Yeah, I, it is early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coffee is good. Coffee yeah, okay. Really good. <laughs> Be caffeinated, yes. Yes, yes. You can tell my writing where I was caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I get up early and I try to get as much done as I can, because by the time you go work the dogs and do stuff with the horses and this and that, by the evening, I'm just zonked. Do you have certain word count goals? Like, okay, I, I want to hit 500 words a day or like X amount per month or week. How does that look? Yeah, I usually try to do, I like to try to hit about a thousand a day if I can. That's a mm. good number, but 500 to a thousand. Uh, when I was under deadline, I wrote longer and I actually had a couple, I had one day where I hit, I think it was 10,000, which I'd wow, never wow. done before. I mean, that's that was really a whole good. day of writing. Oh yeah. It just was flowing and I just kept at it, but that's not normal. That was, that was mm. a atypical day. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, do you type in any special like software like Scrivener or do you just use Word or how does, how does that look? You know, I, I started using a program called Dabble. Um, mm. It. And it works really well. It, I did a nano, oh, I think it was in 2019 and hit my 50K mark. And they were promoting all these different programs like Scrivener and some of those. And yeah, they said, here's 50% off this new program. And I thought, oh, I'll try it. And I like it. it. It works. It's not, if you like Scrivener or something like that, I don't think it's as in-depth. Okay. But it's just a great way to, you can move chapters around. It's a great way to see your book and then you can export it to Word. 
Oh, okay. I work on it there. Yeah. Yeah. I use Atticus. I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. And I lately I've been writing in plotter. I like plotter too. I use plotter yeah. to outline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you, so you're an outliner. I am. I have to see it or else okay. it would be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jody? You're, you're churning out a lot of books. How are you doing it? <laughs> well, I do write sort of full-time. I write five days a week and I try to diligently have boundaries around the other two to to take some time off. But I write, my goal is about 2000 words a day Mm. and I'm the same. Sometimes it's more depending on how the flow is going, but I write in Scrivener and then I transfer it. I do some cut and paste weird method because I know you can actually use pro writing aid in Scrivener. I don't, Mm. I remove it from Scrivener and put it through Pro Writing Aid and then into a Word doc that I build oh, okay. my book from. That's how I do it. And then I use Vellum, of course, to put it all together and format. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, do either of you guys dictate? I do. I, I, I sometimes do when I go out on a walk, I can dictate. I think my best dialogue comes from mm. dictation because you're saying mm. it, you know, I, I just hope none of my neighbors are really listening. <laughs> Hey, there's that crazy lady out there talking, talking to herself. herself. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kathleen? You know, I've never tried dictation. I I don't know. I I keep thinking I should because I'm with you, Joy. Like I'll be out cleaning stalls and I'll think of something that I'm like, oh, if I had a recorder, I should I could just say it into it. But a lot of times I end up just writing down notes. Yeah, I haven't tried it, but okay, it's something it's something I'm willing to give a try sometime. Yeah. So Jody, you're an outlier. You outline? Hands down. I have a huge outline. I take a week to 10 days to outline a book. Wow. Um, really try to get as much detail in the outline as I can. I don't, I do not know how, and I know there are people out there who can do a suspense thriller without, or a mystery without outlining. I don't know how I, because you have to build so many things into it. There's, you know, with the, mm-hmm. you know, the red herrings and the, you know, just the whole hiding the clues. I just, I couldn't personally do it without outlining. So I love the outline. Oh. I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We've got a Facebook question. All right. Cool. Kathleen, Catherine Kovacek asks, do you need to take care of the mental health of working canines? And if so, what techniques do you use? Well, I mean, yeah, you need to make sure your dog isn't stressed because you do mm-hmm. put them into high stress situations. Right. By that, what I mean, at least for us, police dogs, I'm sure have even higher stress situations, but um, when you're in a middle school <laughs> and there's a bunch <laughs> of kids in a passing period, you know, you need right. to make sure your dog's doing okay. So I think it's reading the animal. And we also do a lot of tests with our dogs, just knowing what kind of situation they're going to be heading into to make sure they can handle it. And I'm sure police officers do too, for their specific situations. Mm-hmm. Um, our dogs also, <laughs> I'm laughing because yesterday they all, they get regular massage and chiropractic. Oh, wow. Nice. I want to be a dog. I know. know. The handlers don't get that. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, if uh, you had seen them yesterday, they were very happy, mentally, very relaxed. Okay. (laughs) So, um, but it is something you got to watch your dog for signs of stress and, and then figure out what's going on. Do they ever get depressed? Do you think like if they don't find something, you know, Mm -hmm. How, what does that look like? And how do you kind of deal with that? I always have a training aid with me. There's pseudo drugs for the narcotic sense. So I always have something with me. So if we're not finding something, I can go hide something for them. 
also you have here. You give yeah. them a win. Yeah, I give them a win. You always want them to be successful. And I heard a story from 9-11 where they had search and rescue dogs oh, not finding yeah. anyone. And the firefighters finally started going and hiding for the dogs because yeah. they were getting so down about that. So, yeah, it's important to have something for your dog to always feel like they have a win. And and if something's going on with them where they seem mentally or physically stressed, then, of course, you, you pull them out of work and figure out what's going on. Right, yeah. right. Reward the effort, not just the... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. All right, Jody, we'll start with you. Where can people find more about your books and more about you? You can find everything about me on my website, which is jody-burnett.com. And all my social media, all my books are on there. My books are sold on Amazon and both regular e- ebooks, paperback, some hardback, and of course, Kindle Unlimited. Are you Amazon exclusive? Yes. Well, yes, with my ebooks, I am not with paperback. Right. Yeah. Okay. And how about you, Kathleen? Yeah, they can. Anyone can go to my website. It's just kathleendonnelly.com. Uh, it has links to all my social media if you want to connect that way. And the book is being sold ebook, audio, paperback, all through all the major retailers, or your local indie store can also order it. But Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Kobo, Apple Books, all that. It's, okay. You can find it just about anywhere. Hey, I, you had mentioned libraries, Kathleen. I wanted to, to just state too that readers can go to the library and request your book and the library will get it in for them. So libraries don't have to already carry it for the, for a reader to be able to sample your reading. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it helps the author too, if, if absolutely you have your book requested. So definitely. And they can, and they can request our audiobooks too, to be, I think it's on Libby. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Now, do either of you two do much with social media? I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I pretended to look at TikTok for a while, but I just can't quite get <laughs> into it. <laughs> How about, How about you, you, Kathleen? Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm with you, Jody. I went as far as I have the TikTok downloaded on my phone, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't made the plunge yet. But uh, you keep hearing that it's that's a good one to go to. But I tend to probably Facebook the most out of all of them. Okay, cool. And I know Jody has a very uh, robust newsletter. How many people? How many people do you have in your newsletter? I have about 8,000 right now. It's, uh, it's down because I just did a, a, you know, kind of went through and a purge. Yeah. Purge (laughs) people that weren't really opening or interested Mm -hmm. anymore. What's your secret? How did you get so many? Um, You know, it's really the, the lead magnet. And so I have three free books that you can, and you can get those on my website. I guess I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I have one that goes along two that go with my first series, because one of them is a cookbook, (laughs) companion cookbook, (laughs) and um, then an epilogue to the first series. Then there's a prologue to my FBI series. And I have coming, oh, exclusive, oh, known only here on this podcast. I have, (laughs) I have a... (laughs) Um, sort of side, you know, going along with. So it's a, a a little novella that takes place halfway through my 10 star canine series that I'm writing right now. Mm. So that'll be coming out this fall and that'll be free as well. And I think people sign up to, you know, to kind of read your free book, get a taste for you. And then they, you know, in the process, join your newsletter. Yeah. And then just being consistent, consistently writing. I, I 
put out a newsletter once a week on Thursday mornings and it's consistent. And, you know, you just connecting with readers on Facebook and really being available to them, I think makes a big difference. I answer all my emails and just trying to be available to them. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I really like the feedback, so yeah. it, it works for me. How about you, Kathleen? Yeah, I have an author newsletter that goes out the 20th of every month. Okay. And I, I just started it. I think it was like in March. If, mm. if I could give advice, it would be start your newsletter sooner. Okay. <laughs> not, Absolutely. Not a few Absolutely. months before your book comes out. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So, uh, but I've really enjoyed it and I'm slowly building the list and I give, I try to do, I call them working tales of just stories from working the dogs mm. and trying That's to get interesting. readers. Yeah. 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 yeah just That's sharing. Really great. Yeah, I think this month uh, I got a reader to enter. If they if someone sends a question that inspires a working tale, I send them a signed copy of my book. And oh, cool! So this month's uh, option or uh, story is going to be about do did you have flunk outs with drug dogs? So uh-huh. I'll leave it hanging there. Okay, <laughs> cliffhanger. Oh, you, I like it. Yes. Do you post that on Facebook, Kathleen, or how do you? I have been posting out? it on Facebook. I've I've played with Facebook, Twitter. And even Instagram a little bit, just to let people know I have a newsletter. I'm um, good. I think the lead magnet you were talking about is really important. I need to, that's something I would like to develop a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So what's in the future for both you guys, Jody? you start. Oh, well, I have uh, my next book in the same series coming. I'm working on that. I'm outlining it in fact this week, and that'll be the first part of next year. So that's coming up mm. and I have audio. All my audio books are coming out. I have. I'm halfway through the 10 star series in audio and I have two more coming out this fall. Great. How about you, Kathleen? Yeah. So I am in the middle of the edits for book two, hunting the truth. And then I'll start the next manuscript for killer secrets book three. That's due to my Ooh. editor. The first round is due to my editor, April 1st. So I'm okay. excited about that. And that'll come out spring of 24 and I should mention that if anyone's curious about Chasing Justice, it's on sale this month. My publisher put it on sale, uh, the ebook on sale for North America. And I have some other, I have a standalone idea. I have another series idea. I'm going to just kind of start playing with them and maybe writing up some ideas and throwing it out to my agent and see what she says. See what happens. Okay. Well, very good. I think this is a perfect spot to end. Thank you both so much for being on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Patrick. This is always fun. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Thank you. My guests on the show today were best-selling authors Kathleen Donnelly and Jody Burnett. This interview was informative and a lot of fun. Thank you for being on the show. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Cops and Writers Podcast. If you haven't done so yet, could you please take a minute and rate and review the show on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts? If you have already, thank you. As always, thank you for your support. And, of course, let's be careful out there. (laughs) 